right. Well, good morning to all the apes out there and happy, beautiful Friday morning, most importantly. Always a beautiful Friday and you definitely can't hate. We don't have to wake up early tomorrow and get stressed about losing our entire fortunes through the market, just continuously crashing, of course. That's what we're trying to avoid here at the Daily Peel, and that's what we're going to get into here today. Now, it is about 10.36 a.m. Eastern Time, the time of recording. The market's been open today for about an hour or so. Now, I know most of you, including myself, are just about getting up right now. We are degenerate, so, of course, that comes with the job. But still, we're going to get into things so that you know what to expect for the next about five and a half trading hours of the day. Uh, so we don't, once again, have to enter bankruptcy. So we're going to go into the Daily Peel here, but, of course, First and foremost, we have a big announcement for you guys here today before we get into things even. Now, I know everybody's been dying for this. They've been saying, you know, David, Patrick, where's WSO Alpha Ben? You know, you don't know what to do with your portfolios. Don't worry about it. We're coming back. WSO Alpha is officially back. So if you guys don't remember, this is one of the things that uh, we released a little while ago. It was basically a portfolio tracker. You could follow our trades. It's a real life portfolio with legitimate brokerage statements. Um, it's actual real money that we're trading here for you guys. So you can definitely follow along with us because we're actually putting our money where our mouths are. It's not a paper trading account. Uh, the biggest thing that's going to be changing up this time is we're actually including a private Slack channel for all members. And then additionally, a couple months, we're going to roll out uh, kind of a paid subscription tier for access to our equity research line to explain all the degeneracy and psychosis that goes into us placing our trades. Definitely going to want to check that out. That's going to be a huge thing once it releases. We're shooting for the next couple of weeks, might be into the new year. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out, but we'll definitely keep you guys updated along the way. With all that said, definitely stay tuned for WSL Alpha. Today, we're going to talk about the daily peel and get into everything and anything that happened yesterday in markets. So that included a high-level meeting between the U.S. and China. The top finance ministers came together and were kind of, you know, uh, making friends again before a big meeting between Xi and Biden next week. We also got some earnings from a firm, Disney, Canopy Growth, Krispy Kreme, a bunch of great companies out there. And then finally, we took a second, finally at last, even though it's two days late, to over Robinhood's earnings and see how degenerate that gambling business has become. Oh, yeah, and markets were open yesterday as well. The indices, I took, almost forgot about that. I mean, they didn't really do anything special. It was a stock pickers day. Uh, we call it a Pinot Noir day here at the Daily Peel, and it's a light red day like that. So... Moving on down below, we can focus on some of the biggest stories of the day that we didn't get to cover, but we, of course, wanted to shout out for you guys. Jerome Powell was given a speech, and he was spewing some nonsense about the economy as usual, but the absolute best part, and you guys have to click this link once it gets sent to you. It, so basically what was happening was he was giving the presentation at the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and these climate change protesters broke in. You know, it's a big thing for climate change protesters these days. And Powell drops the F-bomb straight into the microphone like he wanted them to hear it. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen a Fed chair do, and you're definitely going to want to go check out that video. Moving on down below, Uncle Sam apparently hasn't been stealing enough of your money, so they are looking to increase taxes with the IRS, basically bumping up some tax rates, mostly going to be on the higher end, but definitely going to want to check out that story. Meanwhile, the world's largest bank, which, by the way, is not J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan is the world's largest bank by market cap. But when we talk about things that actually matter for banks, not just how much the market is assigning your value, uh, things like revenue, earnings, net interest income, that is the Industrial Commercial Bank of China. They had a big cyber attack recently. Shows how scary things can get real fast. And moving on down below, we have Elon and Tesla. I mean, I don't know how they can stand for this. They were basically slapped with the biggest insult you could possibly levy against Tesla. Uh, with HSBC analysts calling the firm a quote-unquote car company. We all know that Elon views it as this beautiful kind of uh, his baby there, but, you know, 
Either way, definitely going to want to check out that story. Hopefully, an incoming Twitter thread about how Tesla is not a car company, something we can all cringe at here. Now let's get into things here while we're all chilling on the beach, enjoying this beautiful Friday. We can start to get into the more important stories of the day, and that starts out with this meeting between the U.S. and China. So Janet Yellen, a.k.a. JL, as she prefers to be called from what she tells us, had a very high-level meeting with the Chinese Vice Premier He Lufeng. Now he is an economist by training as well, so he's their Vice Premier, kind of the equivalent of Kamala Harris, I think. I don't really understand the government in China, but thankfully we have a lot smarter people that do that are trained to handle these things. Now... These two were basically getting into some talks before the meeting between Xi and Biden next week in San Francisco. There's going to be a summit on economic cooperation between all the southeastern nations. I'm sure that's going to go wonderfully well because when we talk about cooperating between different countries, I mean, there's no competing interests or anything there at all, right? So it should be nice and easy. But leading into that meeting, let's see what they were talking about. So from the U.S. perspective, Yellen is looking to get answers on, first and foremost, how China is going to respond to recent economic volatility. Now, the country is certainly out of the worst of it from recent data that we've seen. But one thing that investors are dying to see, and myself as well, is uh, the unemployment rate among youths in China. I mean, it was absolutely plummeting at the beginning there. And, you know, last I checked, it was right around 21% was the total unemployment rate. Personally, I wish that was in the United States because then I probably wouldn't have to be doing this. And you guys wouldn't have to be going to your jobs right now. So that sounds pretty nice to me. But either way, it's not great for their economy. So the U.S. is going to be looking for some answers on that. Everybody knows that when the U.S. sneezes, the rest of the world gets a cold, or the rest of the world gets pneumonia, excuse me. When China sneezes, the rest of the world actually does get a cold. So it's a big deal, not quite as much of a big deal as the U.S. recession, but definitely something to be on the lookout for. In addition, Yellen's going to be looking to see if China has any monetary or fiscal policies planned to address those issues. They're also going to want to find out whether or not the Chinese have been dumping their treasury holdings. Recent run-ups in treasury yields that we've been talking about basically nonstop, it's gotten really annoying, honestly, with how much we're talking about it, uh, has been you know, one of the driving theories has been potential international selling. China's a huge holder of U.S. treasuries, not nearly as big as they have been in the past, but they still do hold an absolute ton of them. So we're going to be looking for some answers on that. And then finally, if China's open to directly supporting households, uh, basically by distributions, kind of like the Federal Reserve and the Treasury teamed up on back during 2020 here in the U.S. Moving on down below, essentially what China is going to want to be seeing is what the hell is going on with rates in the United States? I mean, to the rest of the world, this must just look absolutely crazy. Not only was it insane for us, but it's pretty ridiculous in comparison to just about everywhere else with the degree of which we ran up rates, how quickly and how steeply we actually made it. Uh, in addition, they're going to want to know about any further monetary and fiscal actions in the U.S. that can further destroy the yuan. The yuan is trading at near all-time lows compared to the U.S. dollar, largely because of that run-up in rates here in the U.S., as I'm sure you beautiful wise apes already know. Uh, when a country is increasing its interest rates, the value that you can earn on that country's currency is only going to increase, so obviously the price is going to go up with that. Finally, the U.S. is, again, being hated on allowing China to uh, get, get their hands on some of our most advanced chips. The biggest victim of that is, of course, NVIDIA, but you wouldn't know by looking at the stock price, so I don't think they really mind. China certainly does mind as they try to prop up their tech sector. Now, the biggest thing here is that we're trying to make the U.S. and China friends again. It's almost like they're kids in a schoolyard and like one of them has a crush on the other and they're kind of running around chasing each other and pretending like they hate each other when they're actually kind of in love, especially if we look at total trade volumes between the countries. That's what we're seeing here. Total value of U.S. trade in goods and export with China from June 2021 to June of this year. Now, it's only a couple of years, but it basically sums up the trend of the last couple of decades, meaning that it's been nothing but on the downtrend. So as we can see here, uh, 
it's especially the value of the total imports that the U.S. is receiving from China that's been on the decline. Exports are somewhat standard. They fluctuate seasonally and monthly as well, but it's those imports that we're actually going to be looking for. However, the U.S., uh, or excuse me, however, China still is by far the largest exporter of items to the U.S., whereas the U.S. is the largest exporter to places like Canada, Mexico, and closer neighbors like that. Either way, like I said before, this will all be leading right up to that meeting between Xi and Xi Jinping uh, next week in San Francisco, so definitely stay tuned for that. Moving on down below into some earnings reports for the day. Affirm Holdings, I absolutely cannot believe this. The leader in buy now, pay later, which I'm pretty sure is still fake business. No idea how they could possibly be making money when they're making loans to people like you and me for the small purchases that we make. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could get a loan to buy a bong if you really wanted to, which is absolutely ridiculous. But somehow the company is still making money off of it. Shares were up almost 15% yesterday after that earnings report. Uh, they're still down over 85% from their all-time highs. Don't get me wrong. It's absolutely abysmal, and I feel horrendous for anybody that's been unfortunate and stupid enough to have this in their portfolio. But the firm did absolutely destroy their revenue expectations coming in at $497 million versus $440 million at 13% B. And then a slightly narrower than expected loss of $0.57 cents a share versus 61 But either way, somehow the business hasn't fallen apart despite the increases in rates. So I guess it really is. There might be some truth to what CEO Max Levchin said. It's saying that what they do really well is essentially building out risk models for making these loans. And apparently they're right. It's working out so far. That's for sure. Moving on down to Disney with the Mouse House here, one of the most hot button companies in the world in the last couple of years. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's coming up in political debates as well. Don't know what kind of nonsense is going on there. But either way, we certainly don't care as long as we can make some money off of it. So it took two, two guys named Bob to create this kind of balance that Disney saw yesterday. First was Bob Chapek, who absolutely fucked everything when he came in and took the reins for a little bit. And then they brought back good old Bobby Iger to come in and fix the ship. Seems like he's doing a pretty good job at that now uh, because the company did ultimately beat its earnings. They reported $0.82 cents a share on $21.2 billion in top line versus expectations for $0.70 cents on $21.3. Now, sales came roughly in line. Yes, it's a bit of a miss, but nobody actually cared because the big story of the day was the cost-cutting efforts by the company. Now, they had originally set out to uh, nail about $5.5 billion in costs and reduce by that much. However, yesterday, Bobby I upped the ante a little bit, added another couple billion to that, so it looks like it's going to be a total. Uh, of about seven or eight billion dollars in cost cuts growth in international parks was most of the gains i believe we talked about this a little bit yesterday but that was a big driver for it and 100 jump in free cash flows moving on down below let's talk about everybody's favorite industry and that's obviously going to be drugs everybody knows that people on wall street love drugs as much as you know humanly possible quite honestly not weed certainly hasn't been their favorite but it's definitely been one of our favorites especially in college i mean you definitely can't deny that but either way Back in the good old days when the pandemic was raging, canopy growth, when they listed, they absolutely ran up because we're all sitting at home all day. What else are we going to do besides smoke a little bit of pot to get through this? Otherwise, we'll probably just fall into a deep depression. So this was great to see. Uh, but the stock, instead of feeling like, you know, how you feel after you take that first rip, certainly feels like uh, how you feel when you're kind of on the way down a couple of hours later. Once you've eaten a couple snacks, you know, you feel pretty disgusting about yourself. And of course, the worst of it all is the absolute shame and hatred that you feel. I definitely know what you, that feeling all too well. I'm sure a lot of you do too. And you definitely felt that pain if you held the stock yesterday. Shares were down 10% after that earnings report. Uh, it really wasn't too terrible, but I think with these names, they do get uh, a certain kind of, uh, they, they get a certain premium or a certain convexity to it, just given the uh, lottery ticket that you're really buying when you're purchasing can cannabis companies that are looking to make money here in the United States. 
you know, really is a lottery ticket on when and if the United States begins to legalize, decriminalize, or do anything else like that along the way. Uh, but so obviously that hasn't happened yet. We were building up a little bit of momentum, but they seem to keep faking us out. Moving on down below to one of another one of life's great pleasures that's actually legal in this country, and that's going to be donuts. Not only is it legal, but you would think that the government is shoving them down our throats with the size of the average American. Either way, that didn't work out for Krispy Kreme in this past quarter. The world's tastiest donut shop reported earnings of uh, three cents per share loss on four hundred seventy million in sales, whereas the expectations were for uh, about six cents on four hundred fourteen million. So big swing and a miss in that sense, but. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that it could have been household financial strain. Maybe people are reducing their intake of donuts and other confectionery delights like this while inflationary pressures are still kind of pushing up food costs. Uh, definitely could be a lot of different things there. Either way, wasn't ideal to see. Apparently, we just don't like donuts anymore, despite the fact that Big Pharma has finally come out with the cure to obesity that this country has been dying for, literally dying for, for the past half century or so. So, you know, go out there and eat as many donuts as you want because you can just go get the Manjaro injected right into your neck and lose all that weight again. Why not? We're used to taking the easy way out here in the States. Now, down below, speaking of the easy way out, let's go ahead and take a look at Robinhood. Robinhood, as everybody knows, is one of the most degenerate companies in the entire world. These absolute scumbags have been shown to uh, just blatantly violate securities law, from what I can see, at least in terms of selling customer assets without their knowledge outside of things like margin calls. Uh, it's very strange practices that were going on back in 2021. That was one of the reasons that we, you know, I, I'm sure you guys remember back in the day, we would start every sentence with fuck Robinhood. We didn't do that this time because I wanted the chance to say it on this live, but fuck this company. Anybody that holds their crypto assets or stocks there, best of luck for you, especially this quarter because it was truly abysmal. So Everybody remembers the glory days back in 2021. We're going to go over to their 2021 Q3 earnings report here. And we're going to look at this line item. Transaction-based revenues for about $266 million for the quarter. That's from stock trading, crypto trading, and all that nonsense. Then, of course, we have net interest revenues, which for that quarter were about $63 million. So I'm giving them a decent amount, a decent split here. But if we go ahead and take a look at the current quarter, nothing could be more different. So if we go ahead and scroll down to their earnings report here, Transaction-based revenues in abysmal $185 million, an absolutely disgusting decline from the glory days, but they were able to make up for it a little bit with that net interest revenues going up to $251 million. Basically, just did a little bit of a reversal right there. Essentially, revenue is still growing, just not for the reasons that the company, the investors, or anybody else would really want it to be. Users are also declining as well. If we go ahead and scroll on down below, we can see some of the key numbers from the report. Uh, so it looks like Robinhood did miss with a $0.09 cent per share loss on $467 million. Expectations were for a $0.10 cent share loss on uh, $480 million, so a big revenue swing and a miss, although they were able to control costs decently. Like we said, revenue still grew 29%, mostly just from that interest revenue. Uh, however, transaction-based revenues fell 11% compared to last year, and an absolutely horrendous 30.4%. I would sue them if I was a shareholder, and if I was a user as well, I'd probably sue them there too. Uh, but... This is uh, the absolute worst part of the report was a 55% decline in actual crypto trading. Apparently, investors are waking up and realizing that when they buy crypto on Robinhood, nobody actually owns anything. You're completely trusting Vlad Tenev, who, again, has been shown to not be the best steward of capital. Now, what this really was reminiscent of was the glory days back in 2021. I mean, February 18, 2021, it was when we had all these people going to Congress. It was Robinhood CEO Vlad Tenev, along with Citadel CEO Ken Griffin, one of the richest people in America, and the guy who bought the Constitution uh, right out of the hands of Constitution now, one of the best memes I've ever seen. 
And then, of course, we got Reddit CEO Steve Huffman that was in there. Melvin Capital CEO Gabe Plotkin, the absolute embarrassment of Wall Street over the past two years. And there was other people like some nerd from the Cato Institute that came to give some, you know, whatever nonsense about how financial markets were and a couple of other nerds. But the real entertainment was the absolute legend himself, Keith Gill, a.k.a. Roaring Kitty, made one of the luckiest calls of all time on GameStop by getting a bunch of people to run up the share price. Two and a half years later, now GameStop has done absolutely nothing, and they have that absolute jokester, uh, what's his name, Ryan Cohen, who's over there running things. Don't know why the apes over on Wall Street, uh, over at Wall Street Bets, are actual big fans of this, but let's hope it works out for them. We would definitely not wish anybody else to lose money, unless, of course, that means that we make the money. So let's uh, let's just go ahead and continue to hope that nature continues healing. The big question going forward is really going to be, how is transactional revenue going to look if a big bull market comes back? What about if we absolutely crash into a massive bear market? Last year was kind of a slow bleed, but what if we saw a 1987-style crash where it's just massive drops day in and day out? Really, it's going to be interesting to see if this thing just trades with bull and bear markets and what goes on with that. But nonetheless, it was a disgusting quarter, and we'll see if they can do better next time. Place your bets as you will. Today's quote of the day from Mr. Bill Ackman. This guy has been absolutely begging J Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan Chase, to run for president on Twitter. Interesting idea, and definitely go check that out. I'm pretty sure he wrote like a 40-page essay on it. Clearly, he's going to crush on Dimon. Either way, uh, we love to see it. We love to see old dudes spreading the love. Now, he said investing is a business where you can look very silly for a long period of time before you are proven right. Looking very silly is something that we specialize in here at the Daily Peel and something that I'm an absolute master of personally. Uh, now, we don't know too much about being proven right. Maybe someday that'll occur, but I hope it works out for you and your portfolios. Thank you guys so much for joining us here today on this beautiful Friday on the beach. Again, be looking out for the release of WSO Alpha. We want to see you guys there. We want to help everybody make money together and make sure to give us all the bananas as well. We will see you guys next time. Have a wonderful weekend. And, uh, you know, the next time we'll be seeing you, I'll be saying happy Monday. Even though it's never a happy Monday, we're certainly going to try our best. Have a great weekend, apes, and we'll see you on the other side. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.